Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Carrie Swift. Carrie Swift is the founder of Love Public Speaking, a communication skills training company which helps corporate teams improve their performance in pitches, presentations, and virtual meetings. A regular conference speaker, Carrie is an NLP practitioner, coach, and presentation skills expert. She has founded the Love Public Speaking in 2016, and it's a personal story of overcoming her own fear of public speaking when she was working as a director in the corporate world. Her passion is helping people find confidence in speaking up in order to advance their careers, and it's just a delight to welcome you, Carrie. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Today, we're going to be talking about building a client network, which is very essential to women in law to have that empowered and passionate and purposeful career that we've been talking about. So let's just get started on why do you think it's important to have a client network? Well, I think obviously winning clients takes a lot of time and it's, it doesn't happen as easily as we think. You know, we go off, we start our own businesses and you think that once you're sort of up and running, you're somehow just going to stumble across clients and, and you quickly discover that there's an awful lot more work to it than that. And actually it's about, it's about not just hunting, but farming. It's about finding clients over time, building your network and having uh, lots of different touch points with them. So you're talking about doing it in a strategic way, not just yes. thinking it's going to happen. Okay, so exactly. let's talk about what often gets in the way of people doing this. I think people just don't know what to do. I think they sort of don't know where to start. And I think that typically people underestimate how much they have to persevere with approaching new clients and building the relationship slowly over time. And, and also, like you say, being really strategic about it. So actually thinking really carefully about where you find those people, um, how you create the right message for them and, and how you develop the relationship over time. So let's just talk a bit then about developing and practicing the key skills. What would you say some of the steps are that we can begin to take to build our client network? So I think it starts by thinking about what is your kind of online presence. So I've got to kind of get your house in order first. Think about things like your LinkedIn presence. Think about ways that you can, can reach new clients and expand your network. So that's going to be face-to-face events, but that also might be virtual events. It, it also might be reaching out to people directly. So when you talk about Googling yourself and you see the shocking lack of yourself up there, how do you go about starting to get yourself out there on Google without investing a ton of money in SEO and building a blog and all those types of things? What can you do to get yourself up there? Well, I think you can now very quick and easily build your own website, but also I think LinkedIn in particular is a brilliant platform to use. And I always say when it comes to LinkedIn, actually there's just a few really important things. So you want to make sure, for example, that you have a professional photo on there that you've actually put a bit of effort into into the, the photo and the kind of the impression that you're putting out. You want to have a relevant sort of cover photo in the background that in some way relates to your industry and your offering. You would want to think about your headline Uh, So rather than just having your job title here, you would have the problem that you solve. 
So for example, I have a friend who's a, a corporate immigration solicitor and her headline is helping HR managers prepare for Brexit. Wonderful. So yeah, so uh, thinking about how you present yourself on your profile, another big part of that would also be having a minimum number of recommendations. So I always say you should have at least five recommendations. And these should be and, from who? Well, ideally from previous clients, if you can. And, and I think quite often we feel really uncomfortable about asking for recommendations, but I always say, you know, if it makes it easier for you to ask, what you could do is offer something in exchange. So maybe, you know, if they're in business too, you can leave them one back or you can leave them a Google review or you can give them um, some free advice or something, but just make sure that you are actually putting in the time to gather those recommendations because they're just so important. Should they be structured in a particular way? I usually, if I'm asking for a recommendation, guide people on what I'd like them to talk about if there's something specific. Because it might be that I did a, a particular kind of project with them and there's one aspect of that project that I'd like them to talk about because that's what I'm you know, trying to specialize in. Right. So I think absolutely you can kind of let people know what it is that, that you're looking to highlight um, in terms of your expertise. And I'd also say that it's really important to, once you've got your sort of profile in order to be continually building your connections on LinkedIn. So I would be aiming for a minimum of 10 new connections per month who are actual client prospects. And I always say as well to make sure you're posting at least twice a month on, on there and to be, to be continually interacting with your network. So that means that you're, you're, you know, you're looking at your, your client prospects and you're commenting on things that they post, you're supporting them, perhaps you're sharing things that they post and, and you're putting out your own relevant content as well. So for the lawyers that are doing business with other lawyers, it, that makes absolute sense. But I'm just wondering for somebody who does, you know, maybe immigration law or that type of thing, your clients are not necessarily, they could be on LinkedIn, but they might not. What else could you do if you were that type of lawyer? If you were not using LinkedIn, I think, I mean, obviously there's lots of face-to-face -face networking that you can do. So um, there's loads of networking groups out there, but one in particular that springs to mind is a networking group called BNI, which is Global uh, Business Networking Institute. And this is a group where you have about 50 members, all from different industries, and you go along to the group every week for a two hour meeting and you give a one minute pitch to the room. And what you're doing really is you're asking for referrals to their network. So you're not necessarily asking them to be your clients, but you're asking if they know anybody who could be a prospect for you. Um, but of course, if you go and have that opportunity to speak for one minute, what you have to make sure is that you really get your messaging right. So what is that messaging? Because that sounds a little intimidating. Like we're pretty confident saying what we are, but it's not so easy to say what we do. Mm, yeah, and I think this is a this is such a huge part of um, of going into business. Actually, is really understanding what your niche is, and how you present what you call your value proposition. Actually, it takes a really long time to work this out, and you have to to really really nail down what is what is it that you're offering, and how are you going to 
convince people that you're the right person to provide them with that service. And the way that you might do that would be to provide evidence, evidence of your experience, to use stories to demonstrate your experience, um, to show your integrity, to actually show why you care. And that is a pitch that you rehearse and hone over a number of years, I would say. And there's actually a specific template that you can follow. I'll just talk you through it now. So if you were doing a 60 second elevator pitch, I always recommend that you follow this structure, which is that you start by saying what problem you're solving. So for example, helping HR managers with Brexit. And then you go into how you're credible. So that might be how many years you've been in business, um, who you've worked with. And then you talk about what the work looks like. So whether you're working face-to-face um, -face with your client in a consultancy capacity or whatever other format it could take. And then you communicate your USP. So try and find out what your specific USP is and get that in there. Then you talk about any results you might have. So any kind of extra evidence you can provide. And finally, you have a call to action. So that would be something like that you are um, organizing a coffee or you're taking their business card and, and you're going to call them afterwards. So with this USP, I just want to go back to your selling proposition, which yes. is if we were talking about that immigration lawyer, for example, and they themselves had immigrated, that could be their unique selling proposition in this elevator pitch, basically, so that they would be able to say, I get it because I've been there. I know what it's like, and I'm taking all that knowledge and also my expertise as a lawyer to assist you in getting through this process faster. Exactly. Yes, that's a really good example. And, and it also ticks the box of showing why you care. Because right. what we're trying to do here is we're trying to show that we have some integrity about what we do and we care on a personal level. So we're not, we're not doing a really commercial sales pitch. We're, we're speaking human to human. We're being authentic because it's always hard to define that. You know, everybody says, be yourself. And you're like, well, that's really interesting. But what does that actually mean when I start to talk? So this is the way of tying in who we are, our story. Often people say the story is, you know, our whole story, but it's not. So what we're really doing is taking out a part of something that's happened to us, tying it into our elevator pitch to make it authentic and have that integrity and also say how we're going to help. That's right. So now I just like to go, we've talked about the BNI. How can we do that? So we've got, we've put it together, we've done this work and now we're at the event. Are we gonna stand by the wall? Like, what do we do? So if you're going to a, a networking event, I think, you know, one thing I always say is that it's kind of a case of having your value proposition really ready so you feel really comfortable talking about what your offering is and you've got that kind of that that rehearsed value proposition ready and then making sure that you are just moving around the room you keep consistently moving around the room and when you do get to a point of swapping business cards i always say to people make sure that you take theirs you don't just give them yours because what should happen after that is that you follow up and the faster you follow up, the more likely you are to see that move into a relationship. 
Yes, it's very difficult to do that if you don't plan ahead because I have gone to trade shows, that type of thing, and it's very busy. There's lots happening. So you really have to plan it ahead of time. So do you know when you go to the BNI who's going to be there? Do you have any idea or is it completely new? You normally will know most of the people that are there because uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to see them on the website. Okay. So you can have a look at the photo and you can go and introduce yourself. And I always say, actually, if you go to a networking event, it's also a really good idea to connect to the people on social media ahead of the event to make it easier to approach them. But there may also be some new people there. Plus, you'll be able so, to research them. So you'll know the people that you want to connect with that are the most likely prospects for you to get that referral. Exactly right. So you do your research. And I mean, I always say as well, if you're if you're looking at connecting with somebody specific, what you would normally do is you would begin kind of following them on LinkedIn and you look at what it is they're interested in and you find something that you could offer them a value. So it might just be something like some free advice. It might be some feedback on a talk that they did. It might be um, anything else you see that, that you think um, would be helpful for them, connecting them with somebody. Another connection. Example. And that's how you open that conversation. And then from there, you begin building a relationship over time. I was just going to say, as a, as a younger lawyer or a lawyer that's not so established, you might feel a little intimidated approaching some other people. So perhaps you could interview them maybe or offer to write an article that would have them in it so that you can interview them as part of that. Things like that are much more, I think, low key and less intimidating. What, what are your thoughts? I think that's a great idea. I mean, that's a great way of building a relationship. And I've done that before with with um, people who I uh, admired, but it, it wasn't quite right for us to be able to do business together. But I wrote to them, asked to interview them, this exact thing, and then ended up uh, having this kind of mentoring relationship with them. So I think as well, the, the other thing to mention is that these things develop over time. It's not always instant. So right. you, you begin, you open the conversation with some kind of exchange and then what you do after that is you make sure you keep in touch on a regular basis so you thank them for whatever it was they did for you you know a week later and you give them an update on what you did with that information or what you did with that article and then a couple of weeks later you find another opportunity to get in touch to give them a little update or to ask a very easy to answer question and then a week after that, you follow up saying, thank you. And here's the thing that happened. Um, thanks to the help that you gave me. And, and what you're doing is, is you have this period of quite regular contact for, for a while. And then, and then perhaps it turns into something like a piece of business and perhaps it doesn't. But, but then you've established a relationship and they are part of your network. And from then, then on, what you want to do is to make sure that you're in touch two or three times a year just to check in. And that's how you keep building your network. And, and these people that you're talking about connecting with, you're, you're telling us basically a framework of how to do this. So this is uh, what I would call an asset development type of process where you would wanna have how you're going to do that, your templates and different things like that. 
set up ahead of time so that you have different ways that you're going to interact with these people, but you don't have to sit down and make everything from scratch every single time. So if you're going to have an email follow-up kind of process, or you're going to have a, a telephone conversation or an invitation to an event or something like that, you have these assets that you've created ahead of time, plus you track it in some sort of spreadsheet or like Excel or a Word document or an app, but at least you have some sort of um, ability to do that. Because I know myself that I've, I kind of got behind on my connections and it now seems like a very overwhelming task to try and get some order into, you know, who I've had contact with and how long ago it was and, and basically how to follow up. So I can see from what you're telling us, it really is something that you should build first, at least have some idea about, and then be able to start the process and not go in, do it, and then try and create all these different ways of connecting afterwards. Yeah, it's a process. So what you're trying to do is to systemize your networking using a, a, a series of steps that is consistent for everybody that you meet. So I believe we're going to share a resource, aren't we, for, um, for subscribers, which will, which will have an example of this. But I talk about having nine touch points. So the, the, the first one, for example, would be you meet somebody at a networking event. And then the next is you connect on LinkedIn. The next is you comment on a post on their LinkedIn. The next is that you send an email suggesting a coffee. The next is that you follow up with a voicemail. And, and so it goes on until you reach nine touch points, because that's normally, that would normally be the point where it converts into a coffee or it converts into a sale or something like that. So you decide what your target is and you make that consistent for everybody that you meet by putting it into a spreadsheet and ticking each of those touch Boxes. points off as you go. So as you do it, you would probably begin to see for you personally where that conversion is beginning to happen. It's not going to be the same for everybody and across every industry. So you talk about the nine touch points. Is that just generally your experience or is it related to specific industries? How did you come up with nine touch points? It's just a, it's a kind of a marketing rule. So it does vary from industry to industry, but typically people say that it's nine, it's, your customer will have had to have nine touch points with you in order to have the level of familiarity required to consider buying from you. The, the and I thought trust. that was really interesting because I think we, we really underestimate exactly how many, how many times they have to see us to, to feel that we're familiar enough. Do you, have, do you have any sort of time estimate about how much you think it takes in terms of a person being able to implement getting, you know, building a client network? I think that it is a long-term thing over lots of years, you are continually building your client network. What I think you can track is looking at how long it takes to convert a new prospect that you meet into a client. For, for my business, a communications training company, that would typically be six to 12 months. And I think the other really important thing to look at is of the people that the new prospects that you're meeting, how many are converting. So we talk about working out what our conversion rate is, right? Because if I know that 
one in five new prospects turn into a client and I need five clients, then I know that I have to meet 25 new prospects. And put in the time and energy to do that and track them down. So you use LinkedIn and the BNI. What other recommendations can you make in terms of how we reach out to potential clients? Any other types of places? I think... I think networking is really, really important. I think that's the most, the most powerful thing you could do would be face-to-face networking. And I would always say speaking at events, if you could possibly find industry conferences to, to go and speak at that. I mean, that certainly for me is the most powerful way to find new business, particularly because if you've got a, a relevant audience of uh, 200 potential prospects, they feel like they know you after you've given a half an hour talk and so then they come to you and actually what you do is you design one talk and you deliver that everywhere but but that one talk you put lots of effort into so and and actually in order to do this it's it's quite simply you go into google and you look at the conferences in your industry and you go onto their websites and you find the conference producer and you call up the conference producer and you say, I can offer this really useful piece of advice for free to the, to the audience. Do you want me to do that? And quite often they'll say yes. Okay. So you're, you know, as long as you're bringing quality content to their event, then that's an absolutely brilliant way to reach your audience. So this sounds like, the fastest and potentially the easiest way for somebody who's starting out to get more client referrals as they build the other long-term part, because often women have an expertise in the area of law so that they can set themselves up as an expert, then contact the conferences and make a pitch to be able to present. So I just want to go over that that actual going to that event because you know when you also started out and had difficulty with the public speaking so i'm sure you really understand the potential fear here of you you may be an expert in your area but now you're going to go and present and you want to be bringing in those clients so what would you put into your keynote so i would say that what you want to think about is what is it that would be most valuable to the audience? So what is the most valuable content you could offer them? But how can you also bring it to life with stories and ideally stories that showcase your experience? Okay. And how can you offer them something which would mean that they would have to come to you for to get that solution? Up? Yeah, so, so what you're doing is you're giving them some really useful information, but perhaps not all of the information. And in order to get the rest of it, they, they would need to come to you. And so you make sure that you include details of how they reach you in, in your presentation and, and you do that follow-up work. So for example, when, when I'm out speaking, I'll always some, offer something like a free resource or a free consultation and I collect people's email addresses at the end because I think if I just put my email address up there then they may forget to write it down or they may forget to follow up so I make sure that I put my email address up there but I also collect theirs at the end of my talk and then I I contact them 
but I also put them into my system of uh, my sort of CRM system, which is what we were talking about earlier. They, they then go into the nine touch points that we talked about and they become a part of my network. So if they're not ready to buy now, then I start building the relationship and perhaps uh, they'll become a client in the future. So you actually set up your own client management system, like you've, you've bought into a software or you have something that you use? Yes, so I use a software called HubSpot, which is free and really useful for just managing, managing all those relationships because it is so important that, you know, if I'm dealing with a, somebody who's a potential client and they nearly buy, then I don't want to, to forget about that client. What I want to do is I can set myself a reminder using that software to follow up with them in a month's time. And when we go into this and we want to solve that problem, is it something that we should research and try and talk to a potential ideal clients ahead of time to see what would be the main problem that our speech should be, our keynote speech should be addressing? Like how, you know, we can guess, but how do we really hit it? Well, I think if, if you can find a way to do some market research with your existing client list or people that you know, then I think that'd be a brilliant idea. The sorts of things that we would normally do is we'd use a, a software called SurveyMonkey where right. you design a survey online and we would send that out to, to our database. Or if it was, if I didn't have a database yet, then I'd be sending it out to, to everybody I know in, in my um, email network. So I'd be gathering as much information as I could about what would be most useful to them. And yeah, the better, the, you know, the more high impact you can make that presentation, obviously, obviously the better. And then what you've got is brilliant, high quality content, really engaging stories that bring your content to life. You're showcasing what you do and you have a really strong elevator pitch, which talks specifically about the problem that you're solving rather than using really generic commercial language. And then you have a really, a really powerful pitch. And, and then of course, the, the key is the call to action at the end and the follow up. And just going back a little bit. So if you don't, you could use the, the survey monkey and the other aspects that you were talking about, but what about a LinkedIn poll? Would you think that was useful or is it too, it's too specific or too small in order to get more information? If it's a poll, are we talking about a quantitative, uh, a quantitative questionnaire? I mean, I, I always think if you can gather qualitative data, that's, that's probably more useful because you might get, get more information and you can look at things like the specific language mm -hmm. that your clients are using. So I tend to prefer to leave it more open because okay. what you really want to do is speak to them in their own language. And get them to so, use their own language and not your language. Exactly. And then you mimic their language. So right. you, are, you are delivering exactly what they ask for in exactly the language that they use. Which makes it that much more powerful. So I also wanted to just ask you, is there any other tools that you could recommend besides the HubSpot and the SurveyMonkey? Anything else that you use in this process that might be of use? I think... For small businesses, I would say that's probably all you need. So we also use MailChimp, which is uh, an email service provider. So that allows you to have an email list. Your, 
yeah, you've got your email list and you can look at things like who is opening your emails, who's clicking through, and then what you have is qualified, what you call qualified prospects. And then what, you know, ideally it was part of your sales process. You would then call up those qualified prospects because they've indicated that level of interest. Okay. Um, understanding that um, there will be several more touch points before they potentially convert into a client. So That's- it's all about what you call your kind of sales funnel. Right. And I think you really hit it on the head when you said it's a lot longer than people think that it does take time to build that relationship and get the trust. I think one of the biggest things to do that, though, is the stories that we tell because it makes us very human and it makes us have a connection to the person on that level. Is there anything else that you put into your keynote speech that you think is a a game changer that we should know about? Other than talking about the, the emotional appeal. Right. I think what I would say, so I, I tell you the kind of structure that I would normally follow would be that I open with a personal story. So for me, it's all about the reason why I really care about this is because I have overcome my own fear of public speaking. And now I want to empower other people to do the same and to grow their businesses. And then I would go into my key message. So what is it that I want you to get from from my talk today? And that is, again, delivered very much in the language that that is the language that my my clients are using. And then I go into the, the body of my presentation. So typically you'd have three points. So you'd divide your content up into three main points and with each one you have some content and then you demonstrate with a story because what we want to do is engage people on an emotional level. But that story also just so happens to demonstrate our expertise and our success as a business. And then at the end of the presentation, I would summarize my key message. So I'm coming back to, again, this is what I want to leave you with. And uh, if you want more information, the thing that I was talking about earlier, you're going to have to contact me and I'm happy to provide that to you. So then you have the strong call to action and, and you make sure that, that you, you spend at least 10% of your, your presentation actually shows people what the next steps are. So it's not like you're just going and delivering lots of free content. You're giving very clear a very, very clear steps on how they can continue working with you. So when you do that, that is that throughout? Am I understanding that correctly? It's throughout the, the actual keynote that you would be giving those clues, those indicators that for follow-up you would do it, or is it more at the end? Normally it will be that there's probably a couple of, a couple of things that I'm talking about where I say, here's this really important tip there's a lot more to this. So what okay. I can do is I can give you an ebook on this and I'll, and, and, and here's how you can get it. And I'll let you know as well at the end. Okay, perfect. So I've probably said it a couple of times throughout just to make sure that people know how to follow up. So what do you think are the expected results if we put the energy and effort into building our client network, other than obviously we're going to win clients Uh, and obtain extra work anything else that you would think that could be an outcome from doing this I think actually doing doing this stuff is quite hard a lot of people find that they're not very comfortable with selling 
And it takes quite a long time to get really clear on what your value proposition is and to build up the confidence to, to, to pitch it in a, in a powerful way. And, and, but actually, once you nail that and once you keep repeatedly doing these things that are outside of your comfort zone, it's a massive confidence boost. So people think, oh, well, do you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with that. So I'm going to try and find my clients in other ways. But unfortunately, there aren't really other ways. There are other right. really, really expensive ways that don't work. But you are your brand. And so you've got to kind of dig deep and find it within you to go out there and pitch at every possible opportunity. But the more you do that, the more comfortable you'll become with it. And the more comfortable you get with public speaking and the more comfortable you get with saying difficult things, for example, um, talking about your achievements or negotiating. But actually, those are really brilliant skills that you need anyway, as as a business owner. So so I think uh, over time, you'll, you'll build up your confidence. And, and that is just a part of having your own business. Wonderful. Thank you very much for coming on the show today, Carrie. For Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.